With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And now. You are listening live. The Smoking Musket Podcast. Bye, Godders. Welcome to the Smoking Musket Podcast. I'm David Smith, an editor at SmokingMusket.com, a website dedicated to covering West Virginia Mountaineers in all the sports they play. First, thank you for downloading. We ask you to please like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at Smoking Musket, subscribe and rate our iTunes feed and YouTube channel of course w goes and beats k-state last week in mile pushkar stadium 17 to 16 the first time the mountaineers have defeated bill snyder and the wildcats since joining the conference but alas this week is a bye week so we figured that we would give you a bit of a shorter episode to enjoy our interview featuring wb writer mike kazaza of the charleston gazette mail it's starting to become a bit of a tradition having mike on during the bye weeks so we do appreciate his time We'll be right back next week with a preview of Texas Tech and a big giant overview of all the headlines. There has certainly been a good bit of them already, and we will definitely have way more of them next week. So, without further ado, we move on to my interview with Mike Azaza. Enjoy. Bye, Goddards. Welcome to part two of the Smoking Musket podcast. Our guest this week is a W Sports beat writer for the Charleston Gazette Mail. You can find him on Twitter at Mike Kazaza, and on occasion you can find him at your friendly neighborhood J School teaching kids how to cause field goal kicker controversies at press conferences. It's Mike Kazaza. Mike, do you think the Mountaineers should implement the dual kicker system? I thought the dual, dual quarterback was what, Louisiana Monroe a couple years ago? I believe so, yeah. And that was widely copied and imitated to like, you know, we actually saw it here last year. And I always think that Dana fancies himself an innovator. Not even fancies himself. He is an innovator, right? Like, what if he did the two kicker thing? And then, like, I watch a lot of soccer. And on, like, direct kicks, you'll see one guy walk up and not kick it. And he runs over the ball and the other guy kicks it. Like, how would you block that kick? That's true. That's a good point. Yeah. Like, let's be honest. West Virginia special teams traditionally enjoy such a trajectory that it's likely to get a kick blocked sooner rather than later. Let's just take out all the, the, the luck and bad luck, especially and just say it's going to be impossible to guess which kicker it is. So you're never going to block our kick. I mean, how soon do we see a drop kick? Uh, yeah, uh, it hadn't happened yet. And if it wasn't like a Joe DeForest thing where he was like uber detailed on special teams, I'm not sure it'll happen. But I, but I will say this, though. Their special teams coach now is, is really good, Mark Scott. I could tell. I wouldn't him. be surprised if he found a way to do something like that. I think everybody thinks the world of him and that, you know, while they're happy to have him as long as they have, but he's got a future somewhere. And, and I don't know how long they can have him being just general special teams assistant slash defensive assistant. But for a while they have him now, he's been pretty pretty resourceful. And, and again, everybody really likes him. Tony Gibson 
absolutely loves the guy too. Okay, so wait a minute. So like, if we have, according to those that think that he's a great coach, I mean, I'm just trying to speak for the people here. West Virginia has not been exactly fantastic on coverage teams. What, what are we doing? Is it just personnel? You mean this year? Yeah. Yeah, I think they've been okay. Um, I know that their kicks have been great. Um, I think punting has been all right. Um, yes, Billy Kenny, I'm not talking about him. He's doing just fine. Yeah, uh, you know, part of it is the kicking hasn't been great. I think BYU, they didn't have any ball go into the end zone, and if they did, it was it was maybe a yard deep. But BYU was going to take it out no matter what. But, you know, in the first two games, Molina had seven touchbacks, which is, is a pretty big number. So I think that was okay. But the big part about it is, too, that, you know, no one really talked about until this last week when it became like apparent that it was a problem, but they had a lot of you know redshirt freshmen or, or first-time players who were playing on special teams, which is kind of a new thing for a lot of these kids because I can't imagine a lot of them were doing it you know, at their junior colleges or stuff like that maybe, or certainly not at the speed they see at this right. level. So that's a hard thing to do, and, and you know it's kind of like a you know a bullpen pitcher coming out and he's got to throw strikes right away. You get one rep to go out and make sure you tackle a guy who's running at your full speed while a bunch of people are trying to knock your head off and, and hit you sideways. So that's hard, I think. So I think they put some starters back in last game or put some guys in who play regularly. That's why I was a little bit better. But, you know, you're right, though, because they kicked the ball off twice against Kansas State. You know, one went, I think, 69 yards. Well, it was 58, I guess, because the guy stepped out of bounds, but certainly broke. And then, you know, their second attempt at a squib kick got returned 30 yards and looked like it was going to be the story of the game right. <laughs> that at the worst possible time. You know, try as they might to do something good by squibbing it, they still screwed up and had it return 30 yards. You know, then it's a chip shot field goal. But um, I think the schemes are okay. But you just got to get the right guys in there and it takes time. But they weren't, I mean, they weren't bad last year at it, and either one of them, but that's why I was kind of surprised this year. So you figure, what's the difference? It's the players. Interesting. Interesting. A few of my friends were talking about how, I mean, the fact that we're just giving up on kickoffs and just squibbing it is pretty close to just not putting a punt returner back there at all. It's just <laughs> letting Baylor just enjoy a 70-yard punt pretty much every time. Those are the days. I, I don't know, man. I guess it might get a little bit better. Yeah, what's interesting to me was, like, right after the Rasul Douglas interception last game, he brings it back for a touchdown, and everybody's pumped up, you would think. Yep. And if you watch that kickoff return right after that, they're not even past the 30-yard line when the BYU return guy is taking his first step out. That's a bad deal. Like, why aren't those guys in that situation, you know, amped up a little bit more intense than that, where they can actually affect that play? And instead, they were, you know, at least 10 yards back of where they probably ideally would have been. So that's that becomes a you know, probably a personnel thing more than a scheme thing at that point. And I think they cured that this past week. Uh, uh, gross. Or not. <laughs> anyway, okay. Let's back this up a little bit. WVU is 4-0, got through the non-conference 3-0, and won their first Big 12 conference uh, game, essentially against the Mountaineer football version of Ghana, if we're equating everything to U.S. <laughs> men's soccer, which we basically do. For anybody that does not get that, you know, K-State is West Virginia's very own 80-year-old personal demon to slay, which they successfully did. That's good. Is this 4-0, like, kind of coming with an asterisk or something where, like, it's not as strong as other 4-0s? Is this team for real? Ooh. Giving you the, the hot take question <laughs> early on. <laughs> Probably relative to the competition. I think they're real. Um, I'm, I would be pretty concerned at the halftime score of the Youngstown State game. And I don't care. Like, I, I thought it was kind of funny that Dana said that at halftime he wasn't surprised. Uh, I bet you there were 50,000 people, and some of them were in red who were surprised that day. So that was kind of unusual. Um, but, you know, the first game, when you're playing 
think they played 55 kids that first game and 19 and never played it down. And you're like, so I think eight of them started in the offense or defense. So that's, that's a big number there. And they did okay. Um, the second game, some of that's to be expected because it's not the first game. It's kind of hard to rev it up again if you have all those new guys. I thought they played really well against BYU offensively, especially. And then on the whole for defense until things just went sideways at the end, which may be a problem with this team. You would think until you saw what they did in the second half Saturday. So that's an improvement. And Kansas State's offense is not what you would call potent. Sure. And they certainly made a number of mistakes that, that were complicit in the outcome. But that's still Kansas State in a team that does enough to leave you um, scratching your head at the end of the game and wondering how you lost. And that, that game was following that script. So West Virginia's overcome maybe some unknowns in the first game, whether the opponent or your own roster against Missouri, which, by the way, had a really good offense in the final three, the next three games before the LSU game. They had 23 touchdowns in their second, third, and fourth game. Uh, and uh, BYU scored 50-some points the night. It's been in every game, and they were there in every in every minute with West Virginia. West Virginia overcame it. So um, could be worse for sure, but could it be much better when you look at all the variables involved? Eh, probably not too much better than what it is. Okay, so personally, I mean, you already know years ago I was freaking out over the W basketball uh, debacle of transfers, and so I get slightly emotional whenever it comes to this stuff. So I'm not yet personally emotionally invested in the Mountaineers just because I can't let myself do it i'm holding out for texas tech i feel like if west virginia can prove that they can go on the road and win a shootout which i'm just assuming a game against texas tech is going to be a shootout on the road luckily i think probably the noon kickoff might be okay for west virginia i didn't really want to play them at night but i might start buying stock if west virginia wins that or buy epipens or whatever people buy nowadays is that fair, or do you think there's another game on the schedule that might prove more? That was a current events hot take, wasn't it? Yeah, you like that? Solid, I did. Um, set the bar high for my answer. I, I think that's a good a good um, indicator because of you know, it's a hard place to play. It's not a fun road trip, and offensively, they're going to out-personnel West Virginia's defense. They, they just are. I mean, they're going to be able to move the ball, uh, I would think, through the air, certainly. I'm not sure how much of a running game they actually have, but that quarterback has given teams trouble with scrambling ability and moving around, and he did that a little bit last year, too. So it's just a, a matchup, as many of them are in the Big 12, where that you're going to give up yards, and the difference between winning is the yards turn into points, and then the yards turn into field goals or touchdowns. So I think that it's it's a good answer to a lot of questions you still have about this team. You know, was, was their defense the one that – kind of went up and down the field against BYU late or is it the one that you know clamped down maybe an inferior Kansas State offense I don't think anybody knows yet um, I think West Virginia's strength is probably defending the run believe it or not <laughs> because I thought they were pretty good Saturday and just had a bad game against BYU um, who's, who's pretty good by the way if you saw their running back against uh, Toledo yeah he did so, okay yeah he was all right um, but some of the stuff at cornerback has been concerning, I think. I think Kansas State missed a bunch of passes. Uh, guys were getting past Rasul Douglas a few times, although Rasul does seem to stay in every game. He does not get affected. His, the only way his, way his confidence has changed is if it goes up, really. So that's a good thing. But if you look at the injuries they've had in their secondary and, and are still having in their secondary, that's still a little bit concerning to me because I'm not sure how deep they are. Uh, I'm not sure how exotic Tony Gibson's been. With, with some of the things he's wanted to do. You know, in fact, against BYU, he, he stopped listening because he just didn't trust his guys in the back end. You don't want to have him out on an island one-on-one. Um, and I don't know what you're going to do to Texas Tech unless you heat up Mahomes. 
but do you really want to heat him up if he's going to be able to dance around and make you look silly in the pocket and then throw one 60 yards down the field? I think it's a great test for who they are because they're not going to run the ball a whole lot. Um, and I don't think you're going to expect to do that against West Virginia a ton unless you're maybe Baylor. But what's that going to do? They're going to pass it. And if they can pass the score, they're going to win the game. If, if West Virginia can, you know, turn drives into field goals, if they can be much better on third down than they've been this season, I think they're 110 in the country in third down defense, which is probably the most surprising stat of the year for me so far for this team. You know, they have a really good chance. Um, but I think their offense is going to give Texas Tech's defense plenty of trouble too. I think you could see a lot of points in that one. Yeah. And plus, like you were talking about Patrick Mahomes. I mean, he, I think, I believe he went down against Kansas last week and then their backup, I don't remember who his name was, but he ended up throwing four touchdowns. So now you get to enjoy the possible Pat Mahomes, possible random Texas Tech quarterback number two, uh, who is evidently pretty good. So, Do you know he went to school before Texas Tech? He was a transfer. Do you know where he went before that? Don't ever guess. Uh, I mean, if it's like everywhere else, I'm going to go with Purdue. Close. Iowa. Ah, nice. <laughs> Kurt Ferentz, the known offensive innovator. Hey, I mean, look at that contract. He's got to be worth something, right? <laughs> but anyway, listener, you were listening to the Smoking Musket Podcast. I'm here with Mike Kazaza, a scribe for the Charleston Gazette Mail on the WVU Sports Beat. All right, Mike, going to get digging a little bit weird here, all right? When's his contract extension coming? Don't give me the whole, I'm not Shane Lyons, you know, I don't have Shane Lyons' ear, I'm not a part of the athletic department, I'm on the other side. I know just as much as you guys. That's not true. Don't lie to me. When's it coming? I don't think you'll see it before the end of the year. Um, and I don't have a problem with that from a purely impartial standpoint. I don't want to hear that part of it, that I don't have a, a dog in the fight or whatever, but I really don't. Um, but I can understand completely Dana Holgerson wanting one right now. I mean, how great would it have been for him to enjoy the bye week and to hit the road? Um, with a new ex- contract to be recruit? Yeah. Sure, yeah. Um, but conversely, how great would you feel if you're Shane Lyons and you send your guy out on the road and he gets, you know, a couple of high school kids from Pennsylvania and a junior college kid from Mississippi? That's great, but what if he loses to Texas Tech and then TCU and Oklahoma State? You know, I don't want to say that this team is going to go 1-3 and three in October, but it did go 0-4 in October when it was 3-0 and last year. Uh, and I think that's certainly shaped some of Lyons' decision in the offseason. So I don't really have a problem with him holding up to his word and saying that they were done in February. The whole thing, though, is is really strange to me. I don't I'm a bit weird when it comes to contracts and negotiations and things like that and the whole business aspect of it, because you kind of have to be if you cover West Virginia going back a decade now. But like it just intrigues me how ADs and how coaches function with each other or sometimes against each other. And if you look in the Big 12, you see some harmonious relationships and some that aren't. If you look around the country, you see that. So I don't think that there's a, the fact that there's a thing at West Virginia is unusual. I think what's maybe strange about it, what, what maybe arches your brow is that the athletic director is like the only person who's spoken on it. The head coach hasn't. Um, and then that in February, the athletic director said, we're done talking contracts and we're not going to talk about it anymore. And then some two or three months later, the athletic director goes on the radio and says, we offered him a contract and he didn't take it. And that's kind of like the last you've heard about it. So the conversation stopped in February. The last mention was in June. It probably hasn't been picked up. I can tell you that as of the last bye week, it hadn't been discussed at all anytime recently. I doubt very much that's changed unless they had some conversation, but you know, yesterday or the day before or whatever. But honestly, if you're saying lines and you're, you're taking stock in, in the team and you're going to cash in now, that's a big, big risk 
probably more, uh, you know, as bold as maybe extending him or not extending him in February because you just don't know what's on the other side right now. And I think there's probably enough things that make you look at their results in the first four games and their opponents and the record for that matter. And then look at the other side of the schedule now and say, well, four and oh is good, but is this going to turn out nine and three, eight and four? I don't know that. And if you don't know that, you can't put an extension out there right now. Sure. Yeah. And I mean, I guess they evidently have not been talking about the contracts, but it sounded like Dana and him had been talking about K-State for a while. You caught that? <laughs> a little bit. I haven't <laughs> seen it anywhere else, but like I could not, I couldn't miss that. Like I, I actually had to go back and listen to it again and make sure that he said it, but like he definitely said that in regard to never beating Kansas State, that it didn't matter to him, but it mattered to the media, and it probably mattered to Shane Lyons. And Shane Lyons was sitting 10 feet away from him, and like that to me was like the first time that anything had really come up since Lyons was on the radio saying he turned down our contract offer. So, uh, coincidence, uh, maybe it's taken out of context, I don't know, but like there's there are large gaps. The whole timeline is very strange. Like, uh, you don't break things off in February unless there's a good reason. You don't have these huge uh, moments of silence unless there's an explanation. I don't know what those explanations are. Maybe there's something tomorrow I don't know about, but there's not something tomorrow I don't know about because I don't think anybody believes right now that either side wants to base a future off of what's happened so far. Yeah, so actually, hmm, you said either side. This buyout, it was brought down last year. It's brought down every year. Or, well, I guess, like, yeah. technically it's brought down gradually every day. So right. Something like that. Th- that means someone else can come in here and buy them out for cheaper after every day, depending on how it goes. Is that more likely to happen than West Virginia getting rid of them? And I know you're not a, a future seeker, but could Dana be looking somewhere else? I mean, that's the gamble if you're Shane Lyons. And, and if you if you back away from the table in February, there's certain things you leave on the table. And one of them is the very real possibility that your coach goes 10-2, 11-2, and he gets plucked and goes somewhere else. And then maybe it's because of some lack of faith, some lack of a gesture from 10 months earlier that did it. You know, that that's a risk you take. Similar to if you extend him and it looks great right now, but all of a sudden he finishes five and seven, it looks pretty bad. And then you got to make a decision. Do you fire the guy and then do you pay the buyout? It's a big risk reward thing. I don't envy these people at all outside of their salary. But I think that's a pretty a pretty interesting part of the conversation that a lot of people don't think is true. Um, you know, there, I, I don't want to connect any dots that don't exist right now, but there there's definitely a chance that dominoes fall and a team wants a coach and says, this guy hasn't been extended and there's some sort of history. Let's give him a call. And, you know, the worst thing that can happen, he says no. And he's inexpensive. Yeah. And by the way, yeah, his buyout now is $2.9 million because that's what it'll be at the end of the season. Um and just to explain to people who, who might not get it, it's his buyout is it's not really a buyout. They just owe him whatever he's due on his contract. And it goes down every day because you're getting paid basically annualized, which means two point nine million at the beginning of the year is half of two point nine million in the middle of the year and then zero at the end of the year. So with Is there any APR on that? I'm not really sure. Uh, there might be, I'm sure. <laughs> Points on the back end, right? But it yeah. goes down. So like at the end of the year he's down to two point nine million and you know, I think three assistant coaches have contracts for next year. I might be wrong on that. You put me on the spot, but like, there's not a whole lot of money invested in it if you're going to get rid of him. But similarly, you could, you could pluck him for a pretty reasonable cost if you think he's your guy. Sure. Yep, that makes sense. Let's see. Something I might add into the the podcast right at the end here. Huge topic shift, just because I could. I, I don't know. This is just the one thing I kind of want to cover. W basketball. Are they going to play any home games in Morgantown this year? What's going on? This. What's the latest? 
that'll happen. They're going to play. They're playing volleyball matches right now, and the crowd is just a little bit smaller than it might be for a men's basketball match or game. Um, but the, the problem is going to be that while there will be parking, you know, you're probably you might have you might have as many restrooms as they had last year. Okay. Likely you might not, but they might have as many because they're not complete yet. And at best, you're going to have two gates open for admission uh, instead of four because they're still working on two gates and they're still working on some of the concourse area. I think that's a legitimate concern is that it won't be up and running, which probably shouldn't be a surprise because, I mean, this is no offense to West Virginia, but I don't really remember the last time a major project like that went off without a hitch, um, except the football stadium, which, to the department's credit, looks great. Yes. Um, I've heard I've had mixed reviews come my way about how functional it is, but I think it looks really good. It's it's maxed out everything, and what I had actually heard is that that wasn't supposed to be the first side that they did, but someone said, "Wait a minute, make that the one you do first because it'll look really good out on the road and for people who are walking by or driving by or on television." So they have some attention to detail and that the whole thing finished. But this was always going to be a bit of a scare, I think, because one asbestos. Which sure. apparently was the stock that they found, but that exists in there still for going back to 1999, I believe. Yep. So that couldn't have been a surprise, but apparently it was and knocked things back. And then, you know, it, it just takes time to, to, you know, parts and labor and things have to arrive. Like, it's not like Amazon Prime. You don't order a bunch of steel and it shows up the next day. Drones aren't dropping in huge beams. It takes time to purchase and prepare and deliver things. And uh, I think that's been some of the, the, the sideway progress right now is that maybe they were on top of things but just unexpected stuff but i think by big 12 play they'll be fine in fact i've received pretty strong assurances of that but i think equally certain is the fact that it's not going to be perfect or or close even by that first game so i did catch that you said they might be at best open two gates for basketball games is that like something that they've officially said no but that's I don't want to get a person in trouble, but like, uh, actually, no, it was on Dave Huggins said that today. So, I mean, he talked about okay. how, like, what, it, it, they might only have two. It looks like their two aren't going to be done yet. And if it, that's the fear is that if you're pouring in for the season opener, 12,000 people, well, if you cut their access down in half, how long until the beginning of the game are they going to be rolling in? And what does that do to crowds that are basically be cordoned off into two parts of the Coliseum? You know, maybe maybe there's one gate on one side and one gate on the other, and it doesn't congest as much. But maybe there are two gates next to each other, and everybody's trying to filter in, and then to their seats in one spot or one general location. I mean, it could it could be tough. There's some logistics involved, but I think that the gates that are open are opposite of each other, so that shouldn't be too bad of a of a uh, a foot crowd there. But right. certainly, it's not the same as having four points of access. I hope they. I mean, just for I don't know, for the athletic department's sake, and for everyone that's actually attending the games. Hopefully, they get the word out on that kind of thing. I mean, ideally, yeah. Oh, anyway, all right. So that's the end of my prepared questions. I know you had a lot of things to rant about. I hope you got a little bit out of it. Outside of Liverpool Football Club hmm. and Cleveland Indians, outside of those two things, what do you want to rant about that now you have a hot mic and I'm terrible at figuring out questions for an actual journalist? What do you just like want to like just go nuts on? What do you want to roast? Uh, I think there's a general full knowledge of of what, what's gonna happen with Holgerson right now, um, and that doesn't it doesn't really bother me so much. But like just this past week, um, so that that comment from the post game did gain some traction, right? Um, and then it kind of refreshed and talks about the contract. But like there are this is either the best or the worst part of social media. Um, and and are you saying like everyone's just assuming that if he doesn't get seven wins, he's gone? 
Well, th- there's that, yeah, which which may be true. It probably is true. But if um if you if you believe everything you read, like oh well, he turned down the contract extension. Well, all right, yeah, we've been over that. The athletic director said that they talked about it, and he said no. But nobody knows the terms of those contracts, that those negotiations. I think I know, and I could understand maybe why somebody would say no. But like, I don't know if anybody actually knows apart from Gordon Gee, Shane Lyons. Uh, Dana Holgerson and Trace Armstrong, who, who's his agent, by the way, Trace Armstrong. So it's a good name, Paul. That's a very small circle. It's a very small circle. But if you read things just this week, well, Dana is disingenuous. How could he want or expect a contract right now because he said no? And then similarly, you see people say, well, why would Lions get you know cozy right now because Dana said no? And then you know why would Lions? capitulate to Dana's demands right now. I don't think that Lions is going to go to Dana at any point and say, whatever you want, write it down and we'll do it. It's going to be a negotiation as it has been the whole time. So uh, I think it drives a lot of the conversation. That's kind of unfortunate. And not to be like old man ranting against Twitter, but like you, you see a lot of things get traction that shouldn't or old man ranting against message board because some of these things just kind of go to the grapevine enough and then they, they grow like a vine too and they take on an odd shape and an odd form. I would just encourage people to be really careful as to what you believe and what you read because some of it's true. And in fact, there are, there are some people I know out there who, who present, they have insider access and their information is really accurate and they're not credentialed media and they're not on the radio or television, but like there are some people who are really accurate. And I look at things like, wow, how did said person know that? And then there are things that I know, like I know I've talked to people who said that like, Hey, this is this is bogus. It's going to come out soon because we think someone's put this out there, and that same thing has happened. Not about football, by the way, but like you find people who have who have heard something that's not true, and just said, "Beware, this might come out, and it's not true. In fact, I can prove it." Um, and you see that come out, and these people who again say, "I I, I know so and so, or I know a guy," which is always a bad sign. And you'll see, like, wow, that's a pretty juicy rumor. That has to be true, and it's not true. So uh, don't jump to conclusions. That's the worst thing. Um, Maybe enjoy this because it's kind of fun, I would think, if you're a fan of 4-0 football instead of 0-4 October. Uh, but if you're going to form conclusions, make sure that uh, <laughs> make sure you're ordering the steel beams and allowing for time so they can be delivered and you can structure your your uh, your thought properly. So that was your LSU plane in the Morgantown Airport. Is that what oh, you're telling me? Sweet Jesus! <laughs> <laughs> what what was that? What was that? Like, have we gotten a comment from anybody? Why? Why would you? <laughs> now, I'm now pacing around my kitchen uh, because, like, like let's let's be honest for a second here. LSU has one of the I don't know, 15 best coaches in the country. Is that a, is that a proper parameter? What do you think? Are you talking about Ed Orgeron? <laughs> Just kidding. No, yeah. no, no. <laughs> Top 25. Les Miles is ranked. How's that? Okay. Sure. Fine. Um, who they who they maybe fired last year, but certainly were f- far enough down the road they had an idea what they wanted to do. Um, and then they fire him on Sunday, and then on Monday there's an LSU plane at the airport in Morgantown, which means two things by this this, this cockamamie theory that last year LSU was going to fire Les Miles and hire Dana Holgerson, who. <laughs> was finishing a 7-5 and five regular season with a loss to Kansas State that he shouldn't have. And I say that is the fact because that plane was in such a hurry to get here Monday and finish what they didn't finish in December. That's what that theory suggests. And people bought this as true or a possibility. 
Yeah, but what was that, though? Who knows? Who cares? Are you, do you really think? I, I don't care if it was driven by clowns and there was an emergency <laughs> landing because one clown ate too many balloons. It doesn't matter to me. Like, like, why would that plane be here? I don't know. Uh, I, I believe it was a medical parts dealer and that the owner is from uh, Baton Rouge and his, his company is located in Shreveport, which means that a, a tiger on the tail fin is basically like an OBX sticker on a car. <laughs> It's just, I like LSU. It's like nautical flags just kind of yeah. showing you where they're flying. Yeah. But it does not mean that LSU is here to hire Dana Holgerson. It doesn't mean that LSU actually got Jimbo Fisher and he came to Morgantown on the LSU plane. Uh, that was another one I heard is that there was some Jimbo Fisher tie. And, and like eventually it was just like, this is a really nice cell phone I have, but I'm dropping it in the damn water because I'm tired of this. <laughs> like, And this is this is not even October. We're staring at the possibility that something may be coming down the road here, one way or the other, as we have discussed. And in October, we're starting like this. This is not a good sign. This is not a good sign for my sanity, uh, for for my nerve, for my patience. Because just one day and one completely obtuse and out there theory got to me like this. I mean, got under my fingernails like bamboo, and and just just as you can tell, had me a little bit heated that day because I, mean, I couldn't believe. That I totally get what you're saying. But you have to give people a little bit of leeway because there was a effing LSU plane in Morgantown. Like, that's weird to happen. That's weird to happen, like, that weekend. I didn't believe any of it. I'm, I'm like, no. But, come on. Like, that's that's some weird shit. Well, Just, like, go ask, like, Jed Dredding. Go ask somebody. Like, doesn't he do, like, medical parts or something? Can't we get, like, a quote on this from somebody? That well, knows I mean, this kind of thing. If you, if I didn't do this, but apparently, if you go to Flight Aware, I know you like. I know it was like a medical parts thing. Like it, it comes up like an actual like the title of it or whatever the description is like medical parts, right? Sure, but like that's not. That's maybe they were striking a deal. Maybe there's maybe there was a liver in there that had to be transplanted. I don't know. Maybe like there was a Grey's Anatomy episode happening and we didn't know it and we missed it because like there was some amazing medical drama happening in our backyard and we missed it. All those things are plausible. The fact that West Virginia was here or West Virginia was going to lose their coach or their AD to LSU is not one of those. That was just a weird day. That was a weird day. Yeah. <laughs> Slightly. I'm a little bit disappointed that you didn't go to like someone from the university hospitals and get a quote on like why that like that airport was there. Like go ask whoever works at the Morgantown airport. Like, the, the guy that's sitting there drinking coffee. Like, if there was, like, a man in a black cape that came out of the airport or something. I don't know. <laughs> or if Les Miles actually stole the plane and he just decided to go visit West Virginia. That <laughs> Who knows? Would be weird. That would be weird. In that case, if, if we found out that Les Miles had parachuted with his friend Dana Holgerson, who has been known to skydive, right? Yeah. That would have been oh, Wow. Weird. And, what a pull! Case, in that case, then I, then I dropped the ball. That's my journalistic responsibility, and I wasn't responsible that day but uh i'm pretty sure dana's busy on mondays and i'm pretty sure i don't know this material but i'm pretty sure he wasn't skydiving with less miles that you know of pretty sure you can't confirm that can you confirm or deny that dana holgerson was not skydiving with less miles on that monday you know what's funny is that like no i can't but like <laughs> if, if you're any if you're any good at this line of work you you do have a suspicion right because you don't want to miss Sure. Um, you, you, like, and sometimes small details turn into big things. And, and because college sports are the most ridiculous like industry that's ever lived, and who knows what the hell is happening next? Operated by extremely arrogant people who think that 
they're smarter and more clandestine than other people who aren't going to notice obvious signs, like a plane being on the runway in Morgantown. I get that. Like, if you remember way back when, Rodriguez flew to Michigan, and no one was supposed to know about this. And when he lands, there is an army of reporters outside the plane waiting to talk to him, and he won't even comment about what's going on. Everybody knew where he was. It had been reported while he was in the air. But, like, technology has advanced a little bit since then. People are smarter because of those experiences. So, like, again, you're, you, you have a bit of paranoia. You hear something, and you're like, huh, I wonder. Um, that was not one of those instances. Though. Like, like I'll hear a lot of things about, oh, so-and-so was seen on crutches. Uh, here's one for you. Drayvon Henry was on crutches, I heard, and I didn't do anything about it. And I'm so mad at myself for that because the very next afternoon, the ACL injury came out. And, like, that person who told me that, I probably should have sent flowers to and apologized because now why is that person going to trust me again and say, well, you know, I probably should or shouldn't tell him these things based on his faith or lack of faith in me. But similarly, if someone shows me that there's a plane on the tarmac in Morgantown <laughs> and then I have to call somebody and ask about it, what is that person who's going to say, you idiots, uh, that is a medical supply plane? What is that person going to say when I'm wondering – who the next insert varsity sport coach is going to be, right? Sure. So there, there's a risk in there. But this one, I never and, – and, and, like, I'm neurotic about these things, but I never thought beyond emergency landing as, as the most unusual part of that. I figured there had been a pretty good explanation of coincidence. The good thing is that the conspiracy mill here, which has been dormant for a long, long time, we were able to whip that baby around. Yep, and we're, we're right back in it. <laughs> we yeah, knocked the rest off. Over. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Mike, I think I've taken enough of your time. Uh, I hope you have finished cutting all of your squash and we'll have dinner quite prepared for the missus ready to go. Um, good job. I think you did pretty well. You're pretty good at this. You might have a feature in this business. <laughs> Went off the rails a little bit there, and, and if that was bad, catch no. me about 11.30 Thursday night. We'll see how I feel. We try to go off the rails as much as possible. Yeah, so if you do actually go to that Cleveland Indians game, have a good time. Tell the Patriots I hate them if you actually do go to that game, too. All right, man. Appreciate it. And, uh, hey, by the way, uh, eight games in a row. That's probably going to be great, huh? Eight games in a row and then alternating home and away. The first month has been great. Two open weeks, no travel. I mean, D.C. is on a bad trip. Uh, Lubbock's the worst trip in the Big 12. The second the worst trip is Des Moines, and that's how I start to finish. Sweet. No. Have fun with that. Yeah. <laughs> all right, brother. Appreciate it. And, uh, all right. Uh, thanks for coming on. Seriously. Appreciate it. See ya. All right, bye, Godders. We want to thank again Mike Kazaza of the Charleston Gazette Mail. You can find him on Twitter at Mike Kazaza, C-A-S-A-Z-Z-A, and you can find his articles, blog, and all the other good stuff he does on the Charleston Gazette Mail website. So, like I said in part one, we are going to preview the Texas Tech Red Raiders matchup with the West Virginia Mountaineers in Lubbock, Texas, next Saturday on the next podcast. Me and Bart will go absolutely crazy looking over I don't know if Pat Mahomes is back and if his backup is good and if the Red Raiders are actually good, all that good stuff. So please join us next week on the Smoking Musket podcast. Please follow us on Twitter at Smoking Musket. Like us on Facebook. Please go and subscribe to us on iTunes and subscribe, of course, to the YouTube channel. So again, I will see you next week. And as always, bye, buddy. Hope you find your dad.
Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.